Mourners chanting, Navalny, Navalny. Here's the live look that we do have at Moscow, in Moscow, where the funeral of Putin critic Alexei Navalny now underway. That's the cemetery where he is going to be buried. Um, good morning to you. It's always wonderful to have you with us. Uh, we can show you this photo, too, of Navalny's coffin being carried into the church of the icon of the Mother of God in Moscow. Hundreds of mourners are gathered outside, along with a large police presence. When asked if the Kremlin had anything to say to Navalny's family as they mourn him today, Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov told CNN, quote, no, we have nothing to say. CNN's chief international correspondent Clarissa Ward uh, is with us now. Uh, Clarissa, uh, what does it say to you that we're unable to see uh, this funeral? We were expecting uh, to be able to watch a live stream provided by Navalny's team. Well, it says to me that the Kremlin is not taking any chances. They know that there is uh, a huge scope for today to turn into something big because there are so many hundreds of people, so many brave mourners who have taken the risk to show their grief and their support for Alexei Navalny. There are a huge amount of riot police outside that church. There is also uh, signal jamming uh, reportedly going on. Our own colleague Matthew Chance has not been able to get up live. Uh, Navalny's team, who have been putting out a live signal on YouTube, have not been able to continue that. And you can hear the chants of the crowd, Casey. The crowd saying, Navalny, Navalny. They're saying, we are not afraid and you are not afraid. That's a, a play on a slogan that Navalny himself used to say a lot. I'm not afraid and you shouldn't be afraid. And so this is a day, I think, where the Kremlin is potentially afraid because it's not only supporters of Alexei Navalny who are there. We know there are some dignitaries there. We saw kind of an extraordinary still photograph of the U.S. ambassador to Russia and the U.K. ambassador to Russia standing outside of the church in the face of this kind of wall of riot police. And we have heard uh, from the Kremlin spokesperson, from Putin's spokesperson, Dmitry Peskov, warning people about any, quote, unauthorized memorials. So definitely there is a sense of heightened tension. Uh, the Kremlin does not want this to turn into some kind of a larger protest or protest movement. And Navalny's supporters understand that. We heard from his spokesperson, Kira Yarmish, saying, listen, this is just the beginning of harder times and harder struggles ahead. Harder indeed. Um, I'm going to broaden our, our conversation out here to the panel is still with us. Josh Rogan, Sunman Kim, Sarah Longwell, Karen Finney. Um, Josh, in terms of kind of how Clarissa was characterizing this about not being afraid and what's ahead, what do you see? Right. Well, I think, you know, there's two different audiences for this type of uh, Russian crackdown. One is us. You know, eventually, despite the live stream being cut off, we're, we're going to get the videos. They're going to get, we're going to find out. The people in the West, people in open societies are going to get this information. The other crackdown is aimed at the Russian people, and that's the one that's actually a lot more serious. That's the one where Putin has a lot more control. And if he's able to uh, minimize the impact of this demonstration of these brave people coming out to risk their lives to show support for not just Navalny, but for what he represented, a, a different Russia, a Russia that is part of the world, a Russia that 
uh, treats its citizens like human beings, uh, if he can stop 90, 95% of Russians from saying that, that's his main priority. And that's what we have to be honest about, is that the situation inside Russia is getting worse. And that bodes poorly for us, because as the Russian people become more isolated, uh, they're more willing to believe that Zelensky's a Nazi and we have to attack Ukraine and Donald Trump's great and all this other uh, nonsense that Putin is putting out. Uh, that doesn't mean we, that they're going to stop. It doesn't mean that we should stop supporting them. Um, but we have to acknowledge the fact that uh, this kind of crackdown votes poorly for Vladimir Karamutsa, another Russian opposition leader who writes for The Washington Post, who got a 25-year sentence for protesting the war, and countless other people uh, who are in a new Russia, a Russia that's even worse than it was before. And unfortunately, that's going to get worse before it gets any better. Well, and Karen Finney, I mean, you worked on, uh, again, uh, helped helping to get Brittany Griner home. Yeah. We've seen, uh, you know, Evan Gershkovich, uh, 300 plus days yep. uh, being held. There's the the ballerina, the American uh, Russian American ballerina, yep. who was seized. How does that and play Paul into Whelan. this? And it, Paul Whelan. It's yeah. it, it, here's the thing, particularly in this modern era. You know, I visited Russia in the 80s, and then again as a tourist, and then in the 90s as part of the Clinton administration. And the vast difference. And now that we live in an era of social media. Um, it's yes, the crackdown inside uh, is what's more deadly and dangerous. At the same time, the truth will get out, and that was, you know, again with the situation with Brittany. Just as all the people you mentioned, we've seen images of them. We know what's going on, and thankfully, we've been able to communicate with them. So we have a sense of what they are going through. We have a sense, uh, and we're able to tell that story, and put apply that sort of outside pressure. Um, Putin, not unlike Donald Trump, doesn't seem to have much shame about the way he treats people. But at the same time, again, the fact that we are able to see for ourselves makes a huge difference in at least our ability to apply pressure from the outside. Yeah. Um, Sarah, you know, we have we can put this poll up about uh, the U.S. and how they feel about helping Ukraine in the war against Russia, because again, I don't, as Josh noted kind of earlier in the show, we can't pull these things apart. 35% um, of Americans say that the U.S. is helping Ukraine too much. Um, that's a big part of why we're seeing what we're seeing in terms of not being able to get it through Congress. What's going on there? Yeah, so this really comes from both Donald Trump and the right-wing media telling Republican voters that Ukraine is corrupt, Ukraine is bad, um, you know, Donald Trump hasn't liked Vladimir Zelensky since Vladimir Zelensky, since he tried to leverage him with that perfect phone call and Zelensky de uh, declined to go dig up dirt on Joe Biden. And so Donald Trump likes Vladimir Putin, doesn't like Zelensky, wants to help Putin, sees Putin as somebody who helps him. And so Donald Trump and the right wing media infotainment ecosystem, along with people like Tucker Carlson, have been actively working on Republican voters now for a long time. You know, I do these focus groups all the time with voters. And when the when Russia invaded Ukraine in the beginning, the voters were on Ukraine's side. These Republican voters, they 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 yeah. talked about the grandmothers who were putting uh, the sunflower seeds, uh, it, it, you know, giving them to the soldiers so that when they died, when they were shot by the Ukrainians, you know, sunflowers would grow. Like, they, they admired that. They admired, their gut instinct was to admire the bravery of the Ukrainian people who were fighting for their land. But after two years almost of the Republican media and Donald Trump working on them, the voters are now out on Ukraine. When I listen to them, they say, no, we shouldn't be sending money. We should be focusing on the border. Like, they've really been able to do this thing where it's now, no, it's America first. They are, this is what how they see yeah. America first working. It is, no, we have to protect our border. We don't care about these people abroad.
Clarissa Ward, can I bring you back into this mm -hmm. uh, conversation? What Sarah was just outlining there about why this is happening in the U.S., how does that, uh, you know, materialize in, in terms of how you see uh, the world and what's unfolding for Zelensky in Ukraine and the potential outcomes here and the ramifications that has for decades to come? Well, this definitely feels like a watershed moment, right? I mean, you have Ukraine fighting for its life, uh, Russia feeling certainly emboldened, if not smug. President Putin had said all along that Ukraine's allies in the West would not be able to play the long game, would not be able to basically suffer uh, for a protracted period of time in terms of economically and financially, uh, the support that they've been given Ukraine. And now, as we've seen with this sort of embattled bill in the House, it's become clear that there is some truth to that. And, you know, Europe has stood steadfastly with Ukraine, but there are question marks again as to how long that that could continue for, particularly if you don't see a sort of renewed commitment from the U.S. to stand with Ukraine. And we hear reports every day from our colleagues and soldiers on the front lines in Ukraine who say they literally do not have enough munitions uh, to, to fight uh, effectively against Russian forces at this stage. And then against that backdrop, you have the death of Russia's most well-known and well-respected uh, opposition figure, one of the very few people who really had an ability to kind of cut through the noise, who had an ability to galvanize support, particularly around younger Russians. If you look at those crowds, so many young Russians. Um, and the, the boldness to kill Alexei Navalny. Now, we don't know exactly how he died, and, and we may not know. Uh, we know that there are people trying to investigate that and getting to the bottom of that, but there will likely be a lot of noise and misinformation and disinformation around it. But it clearly would not have happened if Alexei Navalny was not being held in an Arctic penal colony. Um, and so it does feel like this kind of a a dramatic moment where everyone in the world is watching to see what happens next. Does Putin get away with this? Does Ukraine uh, fall uh, to Russia or parts of Ukraine fall to Russia? Does Russia's opposition just get quashed? Is there any room any longer for democracies like the United States to provide a bulwark, to provide support? to try to erode those types of authoritarian forces. And at the moment, it doesn't feel that way.